The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, but let me tell you, I'm even more excited about our special guest today. He is a fellow podcaster and partner at Next Level Income, Matt Four. Matt, thanks for joining us. How are you, sir? I am fantastic, and I'm so happy to be on with the tech nerd. We were geeking out right here beforehand, and uh, I think I've got some new tricks that I need to go implement. Well, we started out, I'm a big, big lover of your podcast and, and all the content you put out there. I love the question you lead off with. I think it's it it's a great concept, and I think, honestly, you can actually hear the people's voice become a little bit more natural. They're not quite as presenting and it, and it kind of gets them into that mode of, hey, we're just going to have a conversation. So uh, it, I know we're going to talk about it at the end when we plug all your stuff, but huge shout out to what you're doing there. But I did enjoy the conversation. I think we've been talking for well over an hour now and just had to hit record. So I was like, man, we, we got to get some content eventually. <laughs> so, uh, but make sure you're checking out all of Matt's stuff. Just in case they haven't heard the show, just in case they haven't found you on the interwebs quite yet, we always love a good origin story, where you're from, how you got into real estate, and what you find yourself doing these days. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll take you back to the beginning. I'm from a really small rural town in East Tennessee uh, and grew up uh, there and moved down to Nashville, Tennessee and started my sales career at a uh, technology firm. So for the past 15 years, I've been at sales and sales leadership roles at some of the largest technology companies in the world. And my real estate journey began because back in 2016, when I was at a company I used to work for, not the company I work for today, I landed a $10 million net new logo deal. And Cody, my eyes were wide open on the life-changing commission check I was going to receive. That's massive. And it was... Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It was about this time, the week before Christmas in 2016, when I got that call from my VP that said, hey, you're not going to get that commission check. You're only going to get two cents on the dollar. And when I asked like, hey, how did you all come up with this number? What's going on here? He said, Matt, how much money have you made this year? And I told him and he said, well, isn't that enough? Well, at that point, I knew that I had to set up different sets of income streams to achieve the level of financial independence and abundance that I wanted in my world. So I looked at everything from stocks to bonds to crypto, but I had a friend and a mentor at the time who was involved in real estate. He said, you need to check it out. It's cash flow, it's tax benefits, it's depreciation. Unfortunately, I was so far down that rabbit hole that I, I started buying real estate back in 2017, like four months later. Uh, scaled my portfolio to 10. And then I started falling out of Fannie and Freddie's box of where they didn't want to lend me any more money. So I thought I had two different paths. I could go find alternative sources of capital, portfolio loans, local banks, credit unions, things like that, or I could jump into bigger assets. And that's when my multifamily syndication uh, journey began. So started off as a passive investor into eight syndications and then jumped into um, some capital raising and putting together these large commercial deals with next level income. Absolutely love it. Well, and, and I don't want to miss on the point there because I, I hear we have a local meetup. Uh, I, I've been very fortunate to interview a lot of people. And a lot of times, you know, when we go through the origin story, and I think when I talk to people locally, there's this misnomer that, that you have to jump in feet first right away and do be active. I think there's a lot of value in what you do on the passive side as a passive investor, learning the industry and learning from an operator uh, in a management group that already has their feet wet, already kind of has established, knows what they're doing, 
and you can ask a ton of questions. You're an investor in all these deals. Like ask all the questions you want. And if they're worth their yep. weight and salt, like they'll, they'll work with you and answer those questions. But I don't think there's enough credence and knowledge or, or just from what I hear in this space of people saying, hey, like it's okay to be a passive investor if that's how you want to get your feet wet and start learning the industry. Still going to make great income, lots of great passive income and the great tax benefits, as you said, but that's a great way to get in there. Uh, I just didn't want that to go by because I think there's a lot of value in doing something that way. Yeah. Yeah. Two things I want to highlight there is one, um, if you want to be an active investor, that's fine. Right. But um, just understand that that's a whole different skill set, putting together a deal, finding the deal, working with contractors, working with property managers, dealing with banks and loans and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the investors that I typically talk to are credit investors, which means they meet uh, $200,000 a year or a million dollars net worth. And at that point in your career, if you're a doctor, attorney, business owner, and you've got that level of skill set, your ROI, return on intentionality, is probably best spent honing that skill, winning more court cases, closing more sales deals, and being intentional with the people you love, your family, your kids, and the passions that you have, rather than starting all the way at the bottom of a whole new skill set and working your way up to that uh, accredited status again. So um, I'm a big fan of active real estate investing if that's what you want to go do. But I ultimately found out in my journey that the mental toll and the physical toll of putting together these deals and working through the issues was not worth the ROI return on intentionality that I had in my life. Yep, absolutely. I know we talked about offline about a friend I have that's in that exact same situation. Like he, yeah. he's amazing at what he does. And I keep talking to him all the time about, hey, you can make so much more money doubling down and all the time you're trying to put into being an active and uh, like capital, uh, sorry, active in uh, real estate. Just go double down on what you do, make even more money. Let somebody else manage that process for you that they already know real estate. Don't, you know, you're going to make pennies on the dollar compared to what you can make in your normal job, you know, hundreds of dollars per hour uh, doing what you normally do and you're already good at, you know, just time yeah. value of money, just as we think about our own time versus like just real estate time value money. So, yeah, I, I have a friend just to hit yeah. on that point too, that same situation for real estate properties, a credit investor, we were at a soccer game where he could not be present with where his kid was on the field and what's going on because he was on the phone with a contractor and they didn't show up that day and they were supposed to show up because the tenants were out. And then he was also trying to call his realtor to put an offer on another property. And he's like, what do you do again? And I'm like, well, I do this, but I help people like you not have to deal with these problems, but still be involved in real estate and get the benefits that we talked about, cash flow, tax benefits, appreciation, that sort of thing. Absolutely. I, I hear all the time talking to investors myself that are like, well, I, I, I'm, I want to get into real estate and I want to be passive. So I think I'll just invest in short-term rental or a rental in general. And you're like, I have some episodes I can send you that is not, that's not going to be as passive as you think. Uh, and I think that's what yeah. a little bit about what we want to talk about today, Matt. I, I know you, you had a, an interesting unsuccess story to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So my unsuccess story is not necessarily financial. So thank goodness there. It actually is from a return standpoint, the best deal I've ever done. But I learned along the way, some of the challenges that being an active real estate investor and building a single family portfolio would deal with. So this deal was my third deal. Um, 
And I purchased this off market and it's, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. It's right in between two hot spots. So I knew path of progress was going to hit it from both sides and that this was an undervalued deal. So I was able to gobble it up without asking too many questions. And what I found once I acquired the property that the tenant was actually a family member of the owner. So that tenant had not been paying rent for three years. So Cody, you know, new investor, I've listened to Bigger Pockets. I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm going to go negotiate a cash for keys deal. I got there and the tenant said, hey, I, that's fine. We'll do a cash for keys deal. Four weeks later, when they were supposed to move out and have it broom ready, I show up at the property and the tenant hasn't even moved anything. And that's when he told me, well, I don't have enough money for the security deposit. So it'll be more for the cash for keys deal. Being a new investor, I said, okay, we'll do that. I'll give you two more weeks. Two weeks comes by, still not ready to move out. Another excuse. So this process played out over the course of probably two months before finally I said, okay, I need to raise my hand and get a property manager in here to evict it. Now, fortunately, I live in a landlord-friendly state of Tennessee, and it was 21 days from eviction notice to timeout. But I burned like three to four months of that property not getting paid paying hard money lender and not being able to do the renovations on that deal. And that's when I just kind of learned like, hey, during this process, it's it's good to have a team around you, but not just a team, a network of people that you can call for certain situations. Um, I know during COVID, all the, the eviction moratoriums and things were changing very dynamically. You need somebody involved in there. Having those difficult conversations of, you know, evicting a tenant is not very fun. So having somebody that can come do the dirty work, but that essentially is my uh, unsuccess story during my first early uh, uh, property investment. Well, and I think there are a lot of people out there that think, well, you know, I can get into this and I do have some extra time based on whatever I do for work, my W-2, my normal job. And I do have some extra time so I can get in this. I can be active. I can be the property manager. Maybe I can even be the contractor and I can do these things. You're always going to run into some unforeseen issue. You know, we've been doing it long enough. I know you have as well. There's always going to be something that you did not plan for. And as good entrepreneurs, we work our way through it, but it eats up your time. So, I, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, man, you got no rent for a certain number of months. You couldn't start contracting, which cost you even more months because, you know, you got to get a rehab the, the project. Um, you know, all these things are adding up. You're paying a hard money lender. What was ballpark? What was the property management cost? Like, what was their fee for managing the property? I don't remember exactly, but I'm laughing because I think um, to hire them, they wanted to first month's rent. So let's call that 1500 bucks. Sure. And then to outsource the attorney to write the eviction notice and to be able on to be on retainer to show up at the eviction hearing, I think it was another 1500 bucks. So here I am paying, uh, you know, a 12% loan on a hundred grand, let's call it, that's actually 80 grand. And I could have just written a $3,000 check and sped up all that interest rate that I was paying. Well, and just by the rent alone, $1,500 of rent, you ate up three months going through this process. You would have made your money right. back in month, you know, the beginning of month three, plus whatever it took you to, to renovate the project. We didn't even get into that and how long it took there. So... I think that's the misnomer and you learned it the hard way. And luckily you came out financially well on the other end of this. But I've heard from a lot of people that didn't have the same success on that part. You got to look at what is the value of your time and the money in this? Like, is it better to take a little bit less return? It's not going to look quite as sweet. 
It may not be the home run. It might be the triple or the double that, that just helps you get along the way. Like, what's the value of you being able to do that and free your mind and flexibility up to go do something else? You know, you're worrying about that project for three or four months. How many other opportunities did you miss by being caught up in that and not being able to go find new opportunities even? Yeah, and that's why I developed that concept of ROI should mean return on intentionality. And what I specifically mean about that is personal finance is personal. And personal finance is a mix of math and emotion. And math will tell you to arbitrage that extra quarter point of interest this way and to do it yourself that way and that sort of thing. But emotion might be telling you it's more important for me when I was spending 120 nights a a year in a hotel at that point in my career to focus on those sales calls that I was going on to make sure I was present for my customers, to make sure that when I came home that I was present for the family and the people that I love. And I also, outside of all of this, do Ironman triathlons and be present there, that I can put in the work and and, uh, achieve the workout goals that I have as well. So that's the that's the one thing I would tell everybody that's listening out there is that personal finance is personal. There's math, there's emotion. What you should do is a mix of both, mm-hmm. whether where wherever you are in your journey. Well, and I know we both come from a sales background and it, and it's it's hard cuz you get wrapped up in a deal. It's like you got the close and now you got to like you you got the yes, but now you got to like bring them into the fold, implement the solution, all that stuff. So you you there's this unforeseen. It's like, okay, I got my yes. I just move on to the next one. Well, it's not that easy. It's not that easy in real estate either. So it's always, how am I looking out to finding my next deal? And I I know I was always cognizant of that in my, my sales career. Okay. I got the yes on this one, but how am I prepping my time to continue to find the next one that will say yes. And we carry that over to our real estate career as well as whether you're investor relations, broker relations, whatever it may be. It's like, how do we get to the next? And what's going to be eating up my time, preventing me from finding my next yes, whatever it is. Yeah. And I think what you're saying too is there's ups and downs in life. There's ups and downs in investing. There's ups and downs in sales. And um, the people that can stay at the middle the most are the people that are most likely to be successful. I, um, right out of college, I used to coach high school football. And our coach used to say that. He said, the reason why they make the football the way they do is because when you drop it, You never know where it's going to go. And that's how this game is. And that's how life is. I can't control the refs. I can't control what the other team does. I can't control the plays that happen on the field. And I can tell you they're going to be ups and downs, but the people that can remain consistent and smooth out those ups and downs are going to win this football game and they're going to win in life. So try to smooth out those ups and downs. Man, I love it. I mean, now we're hitting on a whole bunch of different things. I come from a football background too. Uh, I was this close to being a math teacher and a football coach. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Someone had other plans for me, but um, yeah. man, man, I, we we could sit here and riff probably as long as we did before we hit record, as we as we're doing now. But uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I think that's as valuable enough, you know, time out of your day to to do. And man, what great insight from you! I know you've got a wealth of knowledge from your your kind of daily job that you've brought over to real estate, and you continue to do great things there. So I can't thank you enough for joining us and and giving us all this great content. For those that want to connect with you, work with you, invest with you, whatever it may be in the future, where is the best place on the interwebs for them to find you? Yeah. So two things. Um, One, I have a podcast called Ice Cream with Investors, and the podcast is really geared towards bringing on all sorts of people from the the real estate uh, 
industry and their specific niche to talk about what they do and the intricacies behind their niche. Because what I found is when I got involved in real estate, I thought it was the fix and flip you see down the street. There's so much more to it than that. So that's the goal. Check us out at Ice Cream with Investors on all your favorite podcast apps. Um, or you can send me an email at matt at nextlevelincome.com and uh, I'll respond to you there. Perfect. Well, we'll make sure to drop those links in the show notes for everyone to take a look at. Uh, be sure to reach out to Matt. He is a wealth of knowledge. Listen to his show. It is not only very knowledgeable, but you're going to learn a lot about ice cream. And if you see Matt out in the wild, make sure to buy him some ice cream. The man is, is, is dying for some ice cream. What, so what is your go-to flavor? I got to ask before we jump. Yeah, so ice cream for me is all about seasons. However, I always answer this question the same. I give a call out to my father, who is an ice cream lover as well. But when I was a kid, he said, Matt, you always get mint chocolate chip because no one likes mint chocolate chip and they'll never ask you for a taste of yours. And you can always ask for a taste of someone else's. So he was a man that uh, was wise beyond his years and loved his ice cream. That is amazing. I love that answer. Uh, I don't like mint chocolate chip myself, but that's mainly because I don't like chocolate, but that's a whole nother show to get into. So Matt, again, thank you so much for joining. Really appreciate you jumping on and hanging out with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. We'll see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.